let's get this going so we can uh, go fishing. <laughs> get out on the water, yeah. <laughs> Beautiful day. All right, here we go. Straight to you from Jackson Hole, Wyoming. Welcome to Permit to Think. Meaningful stories and conversations from the fringe of societal norms. I am your host, Mike Dawes. As a professional fisherman and host, I've spent the last 25 years traveling the far and near reaches of the world. In the beginning, the goal was untouched adventures and wild fish. But I have come to realize that the people I have met along the way and their stories have played a pivotal role in seeking what I'm truly after, a quiet mind and time to think. This ride is too short, so I'm going to start exploring the narratives of the people that have brought me here. I have been told that audio has no rules, so it seems like a good platform for someone who grew up breaking them all. Let's go. Our guest today is Justin Weinberg. Justin grew up in Caledonia, Michigan on a small farm and struggled to make it through high school. Justin joined the Army when he was just 17 years old as a cavalry scout. In 2008, he was deployed to Iraq. After returning from his deployment, Justin moved to Montana in 2010 and left the Army in 2011. Justin took a job with Adipose Boat Works, which at the time was a new drift boat company that had recently been created in 2009 based out of Helena, Montana. When Justin started working at Adipose Drift Boats, he helped finish their first boat ever. He was quickly promoted to the production manager in the fall of 2010 and held that position until 2015 when he was promoted again to the general manager of the company and has held that position ever since. And now is a part owner of the company. Additionally, Justin is the president of Mending Waters Montana, a nonprofit based out of Helena, Montana as well, dedicated to healing veterans through fishing and nature. I first met Justin in 2012 through the owner of the company, Mike Ward, a close friend to both of us, and have worked with him in one capacity or another ever since as an ambassador for the brand and most recently as a consultant for the company. Justin's story is an inspiring example of change, commitment, and perseverance at the deepest level, one I look forward to exploring on a deeper level today. I am honored to call Justin a close friend. He has been an inspiration to me, and I personally think about his story often. Justin currently lives in Helena, Montana with his girlfriend, Kelly, and his daughter, Kenna. Without further ado, please welcome Justin to the show. What's up, Justin? What's up, bud? How you doing, man? Great. <clears throat> sleep sleep all right? Slept great, man. Yeah. Thanks for letting me crash in your uh, driveway. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> man. Anytime. And uh, I didn't even get to touch base with you as much. How was, uh, how was the drive down from Montana? 
It was good. Yeah, it was pretty uneventful. The uh, the only thing that we thought we were going to have a hiccup on was uh, with all the crazy storms that they had uh, and the roads getting blown out in Yellowstone. We didn't realize till we got close to the gate that they were only letting in certain vehicles based on your license plate. How is the license plate? So it's odd even. So on odd days, if your license plate ends in an odd number, then you get to go in. And if it's an even day and your license plate ends on an even number, then you get to go in. So they're trying to cut the traffic in half, essentially, because of uh, so many gates and roads being closed. Um, And we were almost to the gate and... I remembered that and uh, cut out and looked at your license. <laughs> yeah, <plate. laughs> look, well, I have a vanity plate. And so, well, what do they do with those? And so, yeah, we had to look it up. And the vanity plates uh, happen to, if they are just straight letters, then it's uh, you, you get to go in on an odd day. And so, boom, we made it through. And uh, so, you went in through West. Well, we went in through West and then just didn't, we didn't really stop. We just kind of cutting it down because we were coming down to uh, our camp spot that we have reserved in the Tetons. Um, and so, yeah, we just drove straight down, came out the south entrance. And and was the park, like, loaded or? Uh, it was pretty early at that time. It was probably, yeah, not even 9 o'clock, 8.30. And so it, it was busy but wasn't crazy. You could tell that within the next hour it was, it was definitely. It was going <laughs> to pop. about to pop, yeah. Yeah. Um, and for those of, for those listening, we're talking about, you know, just looking up on the internet, right? The historic, um, floods that took out roads in Yellowstone National Park. Um, yeah, the, um, Gardner entrance and the Cook City entrance are closed. Yeah. And yeah, all because. Is Gardner still cut off? Do you know? I don't, I, I saw, um, I don't know how it wouldn't be. Yeah. I was just wondering if like they had enough time to put up a temporary bridge or something. I'm yeah, not sure. I, I haven't. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll we'll should have asked last uh, <laughs> Rick Wollum last night. We got to see. Um, what do you think about that uh, that event last night? That that boat. Um, we're talking about. Um, there was a, a party last night for Paul Brune, local legend. Well, not local, national legend in the fishing world who um, was honored through the American Museum of Fly Fishing for the Isaac Walton Award, which is part of the impetus beside, you know, for you coming down here, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So Paul Brune, he uh, back in the 80s, he started uh, South Fork Skiff and uh, Adipose owned South Fork Skiff. And just in general, I'm a huge fan of the South Fork. And so... Uh, Paul getting this award and them having a ceremony for him here. I felt it was the perfect excuse to come down to Jackson for a long weekend and see him and see some friends. And Yeah, good good on you for making the effort. And uh, I look forward to hanging with you this weekend. Yeah. It'll be, uh, it'll be I, I was, I took a couple photos of, of the boat. I mean, because that, that was the last one he made, but it looked like, it didn't look like it was out of circa 1980s, right? I mean, right, yeah. <laughs> it still yeah, looked it pretty, pretty mint compared, yeah. 
compared to some of the boats I see after <laughs> after one one season of guide use, and you're like, do you ever wash this thing? Uh, yeah, it's amazing. Um, I did the online um, award like Zoom ceremony, and then um, obviously last night, and it's just it's remarkable. Not only what he's done in all capacities, but also, um, you know, the people that surround him. And uh, I don't know. I, th- I think the whole thing's extremely cool. I look forward to, you know, exploring his story more, which hopefully you and I will have something to work on in that capacity down the line here. But yeah, but um, like you said, living legend. It's it, yeah, it, it's it's really cool to to go to something like that, and because a lot of times when some it feels like after something happens or someone's gone, that's when everyone gets together and, and remembers someone in that capacity. But ever all his friends and all the people throughout the Jackson Hole community and really like nationwide, like you talked about that he's touched were there last night and, and talking about giving stories and yeah, how he's impacted their lives and stuff. And yeah, that's an excellent point, right? Because there's no doubt. It's almost like he, Jean Brune, his wife, obviously has a huge hand in that, right? Like, yeah, she's let's, a fireball. Let's, let's get that. Let's get that going now. Yeah. Um, and it is cool because there'll be, you know, I, I don't know. I, I find the whole thing fascinating and very cool. Um, and I have a, a deep respect for Paul. So, um, and everything he's done. But let's um, let's shift gears to your story. And, you know, it's interesting on, on a lot of these shows, I'll start in different places, but for some reason, thinking about your story, I kind of want to go back and start from the beginning. Um, you know, not when you were born, but like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but basically high school, right? So you, you said to me that you, you entered into the military while you were in high school yeah i actually joined <clears throat> when i was 17 and i was a junior in high school um so i had to have my parents sign off on me being able to join the military because obviously i wasn't a legal adult at the time um and then in between my junior and senior year of high school instead of just having my last summer break i went to basic training so how does that work so that uh, it's obviously allowed you, you yeah it's called split ops it's just a program that they offered where uh i got done with school june 12th 8th, 10th something like that and then june 22nd i shipped out to basic and then i got done with the basic training which is nine weeks but then there's weeks before and after whatever that you have stuff you have to do mm-hmm. and so I got back sometime late August and But was, this was after your junior year? Yeah, or? yeah, yeah. During the summer break. During the summer break and then you went back. And then, yeah, so then I came back like 4 or 5 days before school started. And so then I finished my su- senior year and then I continued on with my contract. So while I was in my senior year of high school, once a month I would have to go to drill and do training and then yeah, so I was already in. That's that just, is wild. I mean, that's a level of commitment in high school that had to be mildly shocking or extremely shocking. I mean, yeah, it was, uh, I don't know if I'd call it commitment as much as just like I wanted out 
<laughs> like I was like I out just, of Michigan, uh, out out of school. Out I of just, school. Yeah, okay. I was like I. Yeah. I didn't. I never did well in school. I don't do well with authority. I don't. I don't I, <laughs> it's amazing. That seems to be an, like a theme on this show. There's you, a lot of well, I, I love your intro when you're uh, in the beginning when you say uh, they say audio has no rules. So someone that grew up breaking all them, <laughs> and so with that, that resonates with me because that that's me to a T. Yeah. And so I think that's what sold me, to be honest, on doing this is like the guy you know who was actually the the prior episode iron mike steadman he he was the one who's like you don't have to do anything you can do whatever you want and i was like all right this sounds right up my alley <laughs> um so and what what was the impetus behind joining the military was it your parents you no my parents weren't really for it at okay. first they uh they definitely in, so they came around pretty quick because they knew that the schooling thing wasn't going to work out for me in the long run. Like going off to college was was probably not an option. Um, I just honestly, I can remember probably just like you can and almost everyone sitting here listening to this podcast. I can remember exactly where I was at when 2000, uh, 2001 happened, September 11th. And uh, I was at that time, I was in eighth grade. And I remember watching the nightly news and seeing these guys go off to war. And um, I did have a seventh grade teacher that was uh, a, a tank operator. And so I thought that was pretty cool. And I just loved guns. I loved everything that the military stood for. Mm-hmm. And um, I, again, not going to school, I, I knew I had to do something. And so that, it pretty pretty enticing to me. My parents wanted me to be like a Black Hawk mechanic or something responsible, and I was like, "No, what what's going to get me over there quick, and what's going to get me to allow me to shoot guns and blow stuff up?" And so <laughs> I decided I was like, and I didn't want to be just straight infantry, and so I was looking at Cav Scouts. It's smaller units, supposed to be more reconnaissance, sneaking around, stuff like that. I was like, that sounds pretty cool. So, yeah. but it's such a, it, I mean, so nine eleven was the driving. Yeah, yeah, definitely for sure. Yeah. Like I, I joined knowing that our country was when I joined in two thousand five. Like that, the war was raging, and I, I knew that. Um, I was going to go to war and I wanted to go to war. Yeah. Uh, okay. So that was, that was Oh five mm-hmm. when kind of the process started. Yep. Oh five. It, it went pretty quick. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And what was, um, just so I can get the, the context, what was, what was it like growing up, you know, on the farm in. So it was actually my uncle's farm. Um, and my dad, grew up on it, working it and stuff. My grandpa started it after world war two, um, with, uh, with his brother. Um, and it was to me, it, it, or it was, it just seemed normal. Like we yeah. had cows and, and it was mostly a crop farm. At first it was dairy when it was a dairy farm when I was younger, I didn't mess too much with the dairy. And then we had, um, some cows and then they sold a lot of them off and then it was crop farm. So hay, soybeans, corn, so yeah. alfalfa, soybeans, corn. And so that was, that's where I, 
I really learned, uh, I guess one thing that's carried through my whole life is just overall work ethic. Like I distinctly remember I was 14, 15, we were bucking hay bales one, one day, super hot August day, July day, something. And I remember being so exhausted from bucking bales that I was puking. Really? And, uh, I didn't get to stop. Like it just kept work through it. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I, it was in between wagons and I remember puking and then, uh, my uncle was like the next wagons here and <laughs> we're just like, and I just, yeah. So, um, that kind of for better, or for worse has set me up for the rest of my life of like what the definition of hard work versus my definition of hard work, I should say, versus someone else's definition of hard work is, and yeah, I didn't even have a driver's license at that time. So I was, wow. I was either riding my dirt bike over to the farm or riding my bicycle over to the farm to get started for the day. And, um, that's that's amazing and when you um yeah i mean that's it's a whole that's almost like a whole nother podcast right there <laughs> yeah but when you um so on the farm and then at the at the time that you um you know start the process to join the military are you getting in trouble or are you in just not doing well in school or like I understand the driving force behind it, yeah, but yeah, I was, yeah. I almost want to get like your, I, I don't, that's, that's I don't a very think, young age. Yeah. I, mean, I don't, I don't think there was ever a time when I wasn't getting in trouble. Okay. Um, so you that, were alive. Yeah. And I did okay in school through middle school and then high school didn't do well. A couple things with it is one, I, and I still, to this day, I think homework is the stupidest thing in the world. <laughs> I like the fact that you have to go to school for six to eight hours and then come home and do two more hours of homework. Like, I don't, I don't understand the concept yeah. of it. Like, it's not like you have a job and you work for eight hours and then you come home and do an extra two hours worth of work when you come home. So yeah. I don't see the real world application. <laughs> um, and, uh, and so I was I was, I was always pretty smart. Like I, the only reason why I passed classes was because I was, I could hear things and remember them enough. And especially if it interests me and, sure. uh, and then I did well on tests. Yeah. A lot of teachers accused me of cheating because I just wouldn't be doing well in the class. And then I would be almost acing a test. And then I, and they would press me on it. And it's like, no, I, I just don't want to do your homework. I don't want to do your stupid assignments like, yeah i get the i get the class like i understand whatever and so <clears throat> that was always in there but yeah definitely getting in trouble and just not liking the th honestly it was homework like i yeah and that's a huge part of your grade in school so so by the time you got um into the military you had just turned 18 yeah so i yep so uh, when I, I was old for my grade. And so, okay. um, yeah, I turned 18 June 18th and then June 22nd, I shipped to basic training. So I was, I was the youngest guy in my platoon. Wow. When I was in basic training by like a, however long, a few months. Um, but yeah, so it was, 
Yeah, and I know what happens. It's just you don't hear. I mean, it. You don't hear about that that often these days, to be honest. I mean, at least I don't. Right. right. But yeah, I mean yeah. that that seems like. Yeah, I I don't think very many people do that program. Looking back on it, I honestly don't even like it. It because I then I after I graduated from high school, I had to go back and finish out the rest of my um, special ops training, my my MOS training. Yeah. So to become a because everyone has to do basic training, and then you have like another eight weeks of specialized training for your job, and so most people do it in. I did what's called split ops and most people do it in what's called OSET one station unit training. Yeah. And, um, so by the time you get done with basic, you're, you're in the mindset, you're in great shape, like everything's clicking. And then all of a sudden you take a year off and then you have to go back and get back into shape, get I back see. in the wow, mindset, yeah. go. And then you show up and you're messing up and drill sergeants are just tearing you a new one again. So it was like, yeah, it, it wasn't the, the, but again, I was 17. I didn't know any better, whatever. I, I don't regret it by any means, but, um, it, if someone was to ask me like, Hey, I'm looking at doing split ops. Should I do that? Or just finish out my senior year and then go do everything. I'd be like, yeah, just do everything at once, man. Yeah. I, I didn't even, I didn't even, I didn't even think about that. That's a, that's gotta be a harder path. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you go back to high school, hang out with all your buddies for a little bit and then right back into the thick so, of it. Seems to be a reoccurring theme in yeah. my life. I, <laughs> I like to like to make it difficult on myself. Yeah. Like anglers. Um, so do you think that when, I mean, I understand, I mean, I think everyone does, like you said, right, to a, that, you know, there's that 9-11 had an impact, like, you know, like you said, everyone knows exactly where you were. It had a deep impact. But do you think beyond that, it was like a sense of wanting more structure in your life or simply just getting out of school or because that's a I, I don't know. That that's a pretty at seventeen, because you said your parents weren't like the driving force, so you you kind of were the driving force, and that's a young age to be. So was there more beyond nine eleven? I guess is what I'm. I I don't yeah I I don't know if there was if I think it would have still enticed me if I wasn't in. Uh, if we weren't, if we were in peacetime or whatever, I, I, I yep. still think I would have been enticed by it. Um, just the whole brotherhood aspect of it. And, mm -hmm. and, it, but also, man, I was like, think back to when you were 17. Like you don't really, you're, I wasn't that a deep of a thinker at the yeah, time. Yeah. Like I wasn't like, what I really didn't go too in depth of like why, like I, I truly just loved shooting guns and blowing stuff up. Yeah. Where, and so I was like, so you're going to pay me to shoot machine guns and play with hand grenades and C4. Yeah. Like, okay. I'm in. Exactly. And so, yeah. Yeah. Cause if you, and at the time, like, like they entice you with the college thing where it's like, Oh, you get free, free college if you spend it if you do this with the gi bill and yada 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 so there was a like all these things that i that i thought were other defining factors of why i was joining um but it, yeah at the time i was just like man i'm not i don't want to go to college i if 
I don't know if there's a subconscious thing that if I, I knew if I just stayed where I was at that I wouldn't get anywhere in life or whatever. That, that That's actually more of like where I was headed. Yeah. I, I, I do. I, I pay more, more attention to those things than most, right? Like I remember times... I wasn't thinking about it. I wasn't like deep thinking, like you said. Yeah. At that age, you're you're pretty scrambled. Yeah. But um, I do think that there's like, you kind of know enough about yourself. Like this, I don't want to do this, but this might be a good thing for me. Type scenario. Yeah, and and like where I grew up was a, a, a really amazing place in the sense that you have, like, it, it was pretty country. Like again, like surrounded by cornfields, alfalfa fields, and and that that scene. Um, but I had traveled all across the country by, by that age. Um, How? So <clears throat> my dad, he worked at this place called Spartan Stores, which was <clears throat> a warehouse that supplied grocery stores. And so they <clears throat> would, my, my dad would get five weeks of vacation and he wouldn't between personal days and sick days and all of it. And we were just talking about that. Cause my parents were just visiting my dad, no matter how sick he felt or whatever, he would just always show up to work. He would work holidays. He would work whenever he could. And every summer we would load up in either what, whatever vehicle we had, but most of the time it was a van. We had an, we had an Astro van and mm-hmm. There was, I have three siblings. Um, I'm a middle child and we would all load up in this Astro van and we would drive across the country. Um, and we had friends, whether it was through my parents' church or through relatives in Wyoming or Montana or California. And we would just pick a different spot every year. And my dad would take all that time at one time all that vacation and we would literally just load up. We had a little pop-up camper and a van and we would drive across the country. And And how, how would you pick where to go? You would your dad pick it or were you my parent? No, no, us kids had no say in it. Yeah. Um, to an extent they would, no, we didn't have, yeah, they, they had the plan, (laughs) but yeah, we, I just asked that because the other day I had the map out with the kids and I was like, (laughs) just pick a direction. (laughs) Uh, there was times when we got to a place where they would they would ask us like uh we we came to jackson one time and they were like do you want to go on a whitewater raft trip do you want to go on a scenic yeah, trip okay. like thing, things like that they yeah, let us sure. pick as kids and and yeah uh, it makes sense uh, uh democracy in that sense but um yeah it my mom also didn't work most of my life and so we were all we were living off my dad's warehouse salary mm-hmm. and uh, we never went without, but we really never had. Um, yeah. so, uh, it, wherever we would go, we would definitely stay with friends or where we could use that camper. And, and it sounds like, a um, sounds like a pretty deep family. I mean, I, I'm guessing, right. But a family bond is usually, I mean, everyone has their ups and downs, but a, a bond is usually formed in those type of moves right where yeah. your dad makes that commitment to pack you guys in every year and just head yeah so yeah me and my siblings my parents like we all get along great for where we're at in our lives like being adults and stuff like we talk semi-regular basis we visit we yeah there's never 
we're we're very blessed in that sense where I see some families are pretty torn apart and they don't they haven't talked to their sibling or parents in years or decades or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, we definitely That's cool. are very very tied yeah. uh, together and a, a lot of that yeah is because we all these shared life experiences and stuff and so. Yeah. Yeah, so we've I've it, it's it's kind of weird like a lot of times people will say, oh, have you ever, like, they'll start talking about some something in St. Louis or, or Arkansas or wherever. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I've been there. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because I've actually wondered that a couple of times because you're like, oh, no, I've been there. I'm like, when the fuck, you know. Like, <laughs> wow. That's. Yeah. So was it, it pretty much like covered a lot? I mean. At, at every state that you can drive to like besides Hawaii, i've never been to hawaii and i've never been to alaska wow that is and, wildly cool and so um yeah every state and every random and most of them my parents are both pretty outdoorsy and so most of them revolved around some sort of nature uh oriented thing and so pretty much any natural object camping yeah, fishing yeah rafting, I, hiking all yeah we've been yeah. there yeah now all the national parks every everything like that and yeah so backpack and so that's kind of why we got on that tangent was i'd seen the country and yeah. i'm like yeah caledonia michigan's cool but like there's also some pretty <laughs> pitching areas that i'd rather be in right now yeah. and uh again like with the travel the world travel the the country thing with the army i was like oh i'm in and so yeah it's just all all of that just kind of led into this uh and i'm i'm someone that's in a lot of ways i'm 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 a loner like i, yeah. I have i i have friends i've always had friends but i i keep a very tight-knit group like yeah. i don't i'm not the guy that has like 40 friends like i usually have like four yeah and uh so there wasn't a ton holding me back in in my town because my out of the four friends I had in high school, three of them joined the military also. So really? Yeah. So we all kind of did the same program and uh I should say two of them joined. And so we uh we all knew what we were doing and we all went in our different directions and uh but again with shared experiences in in that aspect. Yeah. That's um th- there's there's something to that that I, I don't, you know, I, I did kind of did, I mean, in a different way, right? But I mean, like when I was ready to go, I just packed up the, you know, and we're talking, for me at least, it was pre-cell phone. Yeah. I just packed up the U-Haul and, and went. Um, I don't know. There, there's something more to that, but that's probably for a different time. But you, um, when you look back on you know, your deployment in the military, like, is that a, you have a, I'm presuming I, I usually, it seems like the themes of it, right? Like you said, there's, you already had a strong work ethic. It probably, you know, kept that going. Um, do, do you have a fond, you know, was it, a, was it a good experience? Do you have fond memories? Do you? Absolutely. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, uh, I think anyone, that's I shouldn't say anyone, but most of the guys that I talk to and and that I will stay in contact with and stuff like you don't miss a lot of it. There's obviously a ton of BS with any s- sort of organization that machine that that's that that is that big. Yeah. Like um, that a lot of hurry up and wait stuff. But 
yeah the 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 experiences the thing the bonding that you have with the guys that that have gone through the same stuff as you is it's deep it's yeah it's yeah. as close close or closer than most family um huh. and so there's definitely times like now life is super chaotic being a dad and running a company and and just everything going on uh I would, I would love to just go back to just being like a girl, like go back to it. All. Like those are definitely having like, someone lay out your schedule. Yeah, and that just, having just the, like, yeah. yeah, man, like the, uh, and that's with my deployment too. Like I, I, I loved being deployed. Like really? it, it was very, to me again, like it was, I don't, I don't like someone telling me what to do all the time, but I like, I, I do like structure. I do like things being, I'm pretty black. I'm pretty black and white person. Like this is how things are. Like I don't have a lot of gray area in my life. And yep. that's being overseas. There, there is no gray area. Like it's hmm. there, everything's you're either doing your job or you're not. And if you're not doing your job, you might get someone killed. Yeah. And so, or yourself, right? Right. Totally. Um, and so that, that stuff to me is very appealing where you wake up every day, you know what you're doing, you you know, what your job is you, you keep your equipment squared away and and you go on with life like yeah you know it's interesting my i mean i obviously you know I, i'm not going to go into it but in in regards to the structure concept like my father there, there was a, there was a pivotal time like i was getting in you know in and out of serious trouble but i remember him like he's like if you don't play sports right and, it, and and to be honest with you it had nothing to do with the sports yeah he was just like if you basically i know now what he was saying is like if you don't have this structure in your life like you're done mm -hmm. with, i'm done with you like because he knew that that like enough of structure would at least be something to keep and now it's 100 percent true like i I, I don't necessarily want someone telling me what to do all the time but i definitely know that structure is important in my life i mean yeah and it's structure and discipline like yeah that's that's that those are the two things that comes down to it's like because uh, there's a lot of people that are very good at being self-motivated and and disciplined in that in that sense but it, some people aren't born with that and so that's a good way to learn them whether it's sports or through the military and, and i played sports growing up um but again like just where we were at as a family financially my parents told me when I got close to 16, they're like, if you, if you want a vehicle, you, you have to get it yourself Yeah, and you have to pay for it all yourself. And, um, again, being old for my grade. So after my freshman year and going and going into my sophomore year, I turned 16. And so at that point I pretty much gave up sports because I would rather have a vehicle <laughs> than, <Yeah. laughs> and, and, uh, and so that was, with and I had the work ethic and I at that point um I wasn't really working on the farm too much so I had a bunch of random odd jobs that I was doing yeah. but uh yeah so that 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 was a big part of it too just having that structure having that work ethic and stuff yeah. and I think you see a lot of it just in uh society today where people didn't have that and so now they're struggling as an adult trying to figure out like yeah why it's so difficult to show up to work 
five days a week. Yeah, and and I don't, I don't, and you know, maybe the next time we do this, we'll we'll dive deeper into, you know, your time in the military. I don't want to, I don't want to just, you know, skip over that. Uh Thank you for your service again, obviously. But what what interests me is definitely, you know, so you ended up in Montana. You said because you were stationed there. No. Yeah. So I got back, I got done with my deployment and, uh, I was dating this girl and we got engaged and this was again, 2008, 2009 timeframe nationwide recession going on. Yep. Michigan was getting hit hard. Uh, the unemployment rate was 22% at the time in Michigan and she was graduating from college and she knew she wasn't going to be able to get a job with her degree in Michigan. So she asked me, she was like, if you could live anywhere, where would you want to live? Mm-hmm. And immediately I said, Montana. Oh, that's cool. And uh, again, that's just, I have an uncle that has a place in Montana and uh, I'd been out there and I, that's where I first fished and the, it's just very special place to me. And so, so, but how, were you still in the military? Yep. And so, yeah, so I was in the, I was at that time I was in the national guard then. And so I, okay. I had to finish up my contract and, um, I had, my contract went till 2011. Um, and this was in 2010. So all I, so she ended up getting a job out here. We moved out to Montana. Um, I just transferred units from my Michigan unit to a Montana unit and then finished out my contract. And at at that point, so you end up in Montana, you very quickly get the job at Adipose. Had you been in a lot of drift boats prior to that? No. Okay. I, I When I got hired at Adipose, I'd never been in a drift boat. No way. Yeah. I had, uh, I didn't even, I, <laughs> I, 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 well, I take that, I, at one one time when I was like fourteen, I was mm-hmm. we did like a short half day float, and I but I was I don't even really remember it. So then, how how did how did Adipose Boatworks come around in your life? Uh, Craigslist. No way. Yeah. So I when we moved out here, um, my last job in Michigan, I was cleaning windows, mm-hmm. like residential, commercial, window cleaner. Um, when I moved out here, I didn't have a job. I found, I found a job very quickly, uh, working at a concrete place and I'd done concrete before worked there for about three months. And then I got laid off cause it was, uh, they just didn't have enough work. And so a couple of weeks went by of not having a job again. And one night I was perusing Craigslist for jobs and I come across an ad that said lamination work, yada, yada, yada. And I was like, I don't know what lamination work is, but I know how to <laughs> work, yeah. build stuff with my hands and I know how to work. Um, I, I'll, I'll apply. And at the bottom of the ad, there was a, a phone number and uh, I called the phone number. It was 830 at night on like a Monday. And uh, it's amazing you remember that. Yeah. Well, this is obviously just a huge pivotal moment yeah. in my life. And so it, uh, Mike Ward answers it at 830. 
Really? Yeah. And uh, that is awesome. And he was, and I'm like, hey man, I'm just calling about the job ad. Like I was expecting to leave a message at the office line. He's like, okay, come in tomorrow morning nine o'clock and we'll do an interview. So I interviewed that day. Uh, the next day, I call in the morning again, and I'm like, hey, thanks for the opportunity. I'm really interested in what you're and what you're doing. Like I'd I'd love to to get the job. Like if there's anything I can do to help, let me know. And, uh, Mike's partner, Tracy, mm-hmm. uh, Mike, Tracy Allen, Tracy Allen. Yep. At the time I was like, cause I just called the office line at that point. And, um, he's like, okay, we'll let you know by the end of the day. And they called me at the end of the day and they gave me the job. Wow. And, uh, so lamination work meant building fiberglass drift boats and, um, which I didn't know anything about. I'd never worked with fiberglass. I never rode a drift boat, never spent any time in a drift boat, whatever. And that was, so it was June 10th, 2010. Oh, wow. So, so let me just make sure I have this right. So <clears throat> you and girlfriend at the time. No. So now at this point we're married. Okay. So, so let's, let's we go were, back to yeah, that. So we were, yeah. So we got married in, uh, December of 2010. Okay. Uh, no, sorry. December of 2009. And we moved to Montana in February of 2010. Okay. Very similar to like what you said, where she just randomly got a job, uh, interview, boom, boom, boom. Within two weeks, we were out here. Never been to Mont Helena. Didn't know anything about it. Just again, found a house on Craigslist. <laughs> for to rent and uh we my uh, my dad uh as a parting gift bought me a five by eight enclosed trailer nice. and uh i had a ford explorer we sold my wife's ex-wife's car and uh we uh drove out here with a trailer and my ford explorer and a dog and Everything that we could fit in the, those two things was all we brought. Yeah, and so <clears throat> it's it's very interesting that it it all. I mean, you you ended up in Helena not because of I, I was under the impression that that had something to do with the commitment to the National Guard. No, nope, yeah, it was just uh, it, it, it was, was just, just a lifestyle choice. Yep, okay. and that we I had the flexibility because at the time I was in the guard, and mm-hmm. so, um, and I only had a few months left in my contract, so I was able to just transfer units. Um, so, how does that work in the National Guard? Do, do you you can be wherever you want, and you're called, and you need to show up there? <clears throat> yeah. So every state has its own National Guard, and then every state has its own units within that state where they have semi bases across the state like they're most of them aren't very big at all it's more most of the time just like a small building and and like a motor pool yard or something um yeah so depending on what your job is as long as they have a job for you then that fits that mos or that that specific job that you have in the military that you can go there um and if they don't, then they just change your job. So they changed my, they actually didn't have a slot for me as an, as a Cav scout, a 19 Delta when I moved to Montana, <clears throat> but they had a slot as a field artillery, mm-hmm. uh, grunt. And I, again, like 
being almost done with my contract, I was like, whatever, I'll be a full dark killer. I just, I never even thought as my time as a field artillery, I, I never even messed with field artillery just cause we just had, I just had a little bit of time left on my contract and we just did some like training over the, yeah. And uh, over the winter and stuff like that. So, and, and this is the part, um, and, and again, that's not, I didn't mean to like try and skip over, right. The deployment. We'll, we'll, we'll do that another time. Yeah, but, the, yeah. but the part that is wildly inspiring, fascinating to me is like, I didn't know half of that stuff that you just described. Like you, you remember the day. I mean, it's amazing right now. You remember the day you talked to Mike. Yeah. Um, you remember the day you were hired and you, you know, I, I knew that you had, you had been there for, you know, helped out with like the first boat, which was the, I mean, that's, that's pretty wild. And then, then here you are today, right? That that's, that's as a part owner now, as the you know running the company but um and you and i have also talked in depth like that didn't come without struggle um so you have like this you know this amazing story of just running you know going through the ranks learning every all aspects of the business um while at the same time right there was some pretty serious personal struggle that ensued in Montana. Yeah. No, it was definitely was not this straight and narrow, just climb this peak very easily and you're there. No. Yeah. There was, there was a lot of ups <laughs> and downs. There was um there was a divorce involved. There was uh being a single dad was involved. There was uh alcoholism involved. There was there's a lot of things that happened to me over the last decade. Yeah. Plus that's that's been uh life altering and inspiring and to some people and yeah so it's it's definitely a, <clears throat> a an interesting path to get where i'm at today yeah and and how so so just let's let's go let's go to that so you start working in you know at adipose how, how does that go in the beginning <clears throat> yeah so when Let's... i first got hired there was i was like the third employee we had an office person like secretary at the time mike and tracy mike ward founder along with Tracy Allen. Um, Tracy was kind of the designer of, of everything with, uh, help of Mike. Um, they, they both were guides for a combined of 35 years. And so they had a lot of time sitting in that seat going, man, there's gotta be a better way. There's gotta be a better boat. And, uh, Tracy had built a couple other boats over the years. And so when and had sold one too, <laughs> right? Like, wasn't it, didn't, wasn't there some sort of non-compete in? Yeah. Yeah. So he had started, uh, Way back, same time, kind of South Fork skiff when we talking about her. Yeah, earlier. and and not to interrupt you, but just this, I'm trying to make a point of this. So for all the for everyone listening that doesn't know, right, a drift boat is, a you know, a specific boat made for angling, that is is rowed, and um, you know, Western Rivers is kind of the birthplace of the drift boat obviously they're all over the country and the world now but i just wanted to yeah clarify yep. that yeah so. there definitely has been a lot of iterations throughout the, the 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 spawn of drift boats to where they're at today um most people when they think drift boat they think very traditional dory style um high-sided a lot of rocker yeah, pointed yeah, front yeah, pointed bow yeah um 
<clears throat> yeah, a lot, so, of, a lot of people think like John Boat. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. John Boat with Orlocks. Yeah. Which that's kind of yeah, where it all everything stemmed from somewhere. But that's that's essentially what happened is yeah. people started with that, and then they uh, started to build them more specific and more specific, and that's kind of where we're at today. Where um, boats are boats are um, definitely more regionalized in their design, but um, that's one great thing about Adipose works everywhere. Um, but yeah, so Tracy started. In the late 80s, early 90s, started a company called High Country Boats. Mm-hmm. Um, he had built some wooden boats before then. He had built some fire uh, metal boats before then. But this was in Belgrade, Montana. And he started this company. And he ended up building 16 of these boats. Mm-hmm. And he was also... I remember seeing one of them. Yeah. So he, he uh, was also a full-time guide at the time so mm-hmm. he was guiding and building these in a little garage in belgrade and doing that deal and he ended up selling that company to hide mm-hmm. so today if you see a hide montana skiff that is a version of tracy's high country boat okay they've changed the interior components a little bit but that whole design is is tracy's design mm-hmm. Um, fast forward till the 2009 ish, 2008. Yeah, when, when uh, you when you're there. Well, no, before okay. I was there. So. Um, Mike Ward was a guide on uh, all over Montana outfitter. He rode one of Tracy's boats, one of his high country boats, and mm-hmm. right away his mind was blown. He was like, "Dude, this thing is." on another level like just the, how easy it is to track and back row and <clears throat> and everything about it so he knew of tracy uh kind of friendly with them and so he tracked down tracy and was like hey where can i get one of these boats and tracy's like you, you can't they don't, yeah. ex- they don't, they don't <laughs> exist hide at that time wasn't even making the boat anymore um bought it and shelved it or yeah pretty yeah. much they built a couple they every once in a while they would build them but it, yeah what well, definitely wasn't there because it's very sim- the montana skiff is very similar to their just hide skiff so gotcha. there's the montana skiff there's the hide skiff like both those boats are like very similar mm-hmm. in a sense um so yeah so Mike at that time then was like, well, let's start a company and let's build these. And Tracy's like, dude, I've, <laughs> I've done this. <laughs> I've done this two other times or three other times. Like I'm good, man. I don't want to build boats yeah. anymore. I've, that, that lifestyle is rough. And, um, uh, Mike was able to, uh, financially support it where he was like, Hey, we can make it work where, you don't have to guide and do it. Like you can just do this full time. And mm-hmm. so, uh, that was more enticing to Tracy instead of just trying to do the hand to mouth thing and, and scrape by. Um, and so, yeah, so that's the, that was kind of the birth of Adipose in November of 2009 is when they, they fin- they both finished off their guide season and <clears throat> they went from there into full blown starting Adipose. And then fast forward, to June of 2010. And that's when I came on board. They were, um, just finishing like all the molds to an extent. And they had the shop pretty much built out where, um, Adipose is still located today. Um, and 
they were in the process of building the first boat, finishing the first boat, and that's when I came on board. I did a little bit to help finish that boat, but then from there, being green, knowing nothing, yeah, I just started building boats, and there was, I think there was two other guys helping build them along with Tracy, and there was a production manager um, at the time, and he, things went awry, and uh, <laughs> we won't get into that too much, yeah. but he, uh, yeah, he ended up quitting and other people, um, left for whatever reason. And so yes, to an extent you're correct. I did climb the ranks to become the production manager, but also when you're the only employee, <laughs> it's kind of easy to get promoted to the production manager. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it don't was, sell yourself short. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was, there was about a three month three to five month window where I was the only employee besides Mike Tracy. And then like the office person, and then we lost the office person also. <laughs> and so it was just me, Mike and Tracy throughout the time just, and, but that was hugely important to just my overall growth with the company and learning because when you're the only person you're you, doing it and, all. Yeah. And you're in the startup company, you, you have to do everything. Yeah. And so since I had to do everything, I learned how to do everything. And so I learned how to build molds. I learned how to design. I learned how I learned why. And I'm just a super inquisitive person to begin with. Um, and what do you attribute that to? I don't know. I definitely was born that way in, okay. in a way because my parents, uh, could tell you, well, one, one quick side story. One time I came in the house and after doing whatever, I was spending the day with my dad and my mom's like, well, where's dad? And I was like, I don't know. He's out in the garage. <clears throat> and however amount of time goes by, my dad doesn't come in. My mom goes outside and sees my dad and he's just sitting in the car. And uh, she opens the door and she's like, what's going on? She's like, my dad just goes, I just need some alone time. I just spent the whole day with Justin and he would not stop asking questions. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. And so, um, yeah, I just... I just have to, I want to know how everything works. I want to know why you're doing something one way versus another. Um, and it's a uh, great trait. Yeah. To, and I remember at one point too. So what, it, it's definitely gotten me in trouble in some ways just cause I've just, got, <laughs> what does this do? Yeah. And, uh, but I, yeah, I remember when I first started working at Adipose after X amount of time and I sit down, Mike and Tracy call me in for a meeting and I sit down with them and, and Tracy, me and him get along great now. We're we're friendly. There was a time when I've never argued with so much someone so much in my life, mm -hmm. um, and we had it out multiple times. But he saw things his way, I saw things my way, and uh, he's very hard to pull off that path. And so I would always ask him, "Why are we doing it that way?" or "Why do you do it this way?" or mm -hmm. "What what?" what Whatever. Then he ended up in the car, like yeah. And he <laughs> and Mike and Tracy called me in and this meeting, and they they both sit me down and they're like, "Man, like we love what you're doing, we love your work ethic, like you're a great employee, but sometimes dude, you just got to do what we tell you and not ask why." <laughs> I go why? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it, yeah, so that it's just I, I don't know why, but that's just I, I'm just inquisitive. Like that's well, it's almost there, there's a reflection of that in the company though, which is cool, right? I mean, you're constantly trying to look for like 
how to do something new, do something different. Yeah. Do something, something. better. Yeah. There's always a better way. Yeah. Like that's, that's, I, and I saw that right away when I started at Adipose and, and it's, it's pretty easy when you, in my opinion, it, if you really get down to the nitty and gritty of it, if you put the, the top four boats on the market right now out in a lot and you go look at them all mm-hmm. and you start to dissect them and really dissect them, stick your head up under a, a tray and stick your head, like look at how a boat is made. And especially if you understand fiberglass and things like that, um, adipose has always done it in my opinion, the best, and they continue mm-hmm. to do it the best, the, the fit and finish the just overall ergonomic design of it and just everything with it. And, and that's accredited not solely, but majority to, to Mike and Tracy and, yeah. and especially Tracy, Tracy, the way Tracy's mind works is just genius. insane. Yeah, yeah. He's it's boat genius. Yeah. And so, um, it, it's, that's something that I see a lot in the industry is where people get kind of set in their ways. They're like, well, this sells well. So why change it? Like I have enough sales. I have enough going on here that this has been our bread and butter, whatever. Like people complain about things, but like whatever, there's no other choice. And so when Adipose came on the market, they, they really stirred the pot Yeah. with how boats were designed and, and the layout of the interior, especially. Yeah. Um, I remember seeing, you know, I mean, I don't know. We'll have to go back and we'll obviously get Ward on here. Um, I don't know if we'll make it through without, you know, <laughs> some of the stories. But um, I remember 100%. I don't know which boat I had, but it was like at the time I had had a South Fork skiff, um, which I was in love with. And then things went awry and then won't get into that. Um, but then when I saw the first adipose quickly went right into it. And I do remember like grabbing the gunnels and doing, you know, it's almost like the apple syndrome, right? Mm -hmm. Like where Steve job was always worried about, like, I don't care. You know, they're like, well, no one's going to see this. And he's like, I don't care. I want it done well on the inside, even if you're not going to see it. Right. Oh, That's a hundred percent our mentality. And that's what we, was ingrained into me from the beginning and what I still ingrain into all of our employees is I don't, I it's, there's so many things that we do that no one will ever see yeah. that just to get that perfect finish that we want and overall durability and stuff. And, um, you can feel it. Yeah. And, and some people there, there's definitely this mentality out there, and we, it still exists today that like we're kind of adipose is like this pre Madonna brand where it's, it's, they, they just think we're just being pretentious to be pretentious with our price or whatever. And, yep. uh, but it's if I would, opposite. yeah, if someone was to come in and like really sit down and like, and I show them the things that we do and why we're different, um, it, it's pretty glaring. Well, but, that's a, that's a great future, uh, marketing project for you. Cause that's a, another cool story. Um, I do want to transition back though to like, you know, because like I said in your introduction, you are an inspiration to me because I know, uh, as someone that is not adverse to serious struggle and always finding, trying to figure out a way to make things happen. Um, you know, you, you did face some, some struggle 
and you talk about sobriety, you and I both do, um, you talk about, you know, when the dark days and when things went awry, and then especially, I mean, one constant kind of reoccurring thing when I said in your introduction, like I think about your story often, it's, you know, you mentioned being a single parent, and, and I was, you know, I often would think to myself, like, how does he do all of this? I mean, you know, running the company, single parent, um, it, it just, it, it comes across as a lot. And, you know, in, in one capacity or another, perseverance keeps coming to mind. Like, you, you persevered, um, but you know, let, let's go back to that because I, I feel like that is, that is part of the inspiration, not just like the, you know, starting out in the mailroom, so to speak, and then going to run the company. And you often hear about that, but you don't often hear about like deeper, you know, the the struggles involved. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, yeah. And it's definitely a huge, huge part of my story and stuff. And, um, some people don't like to reflect on those things and, and just kind of like, cause in, you could look at them as, as blemishes of like dealing with the, yeah. The and I don't, the, right. Yeah. I, I have like serious admiration for it. So yeah, and I appreciate that. Um, yeah. So I, I guess just to get into it then is it, something in my brain I'm all, I'm all in or I'm all out. Like Mm -hmm. I, there's no half throttle for me. Um, and that's been my whole life, whether it was riding a dirt bike or riding the bicycle or or playing in the woods or doing whatever with friends or climbing the tree or doing it's. So when I, is it competitive in that too? Or yeah, I'm definitely competitive. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I I'm competitive on, an individual basis too. Like I don't, I, I definitely do well in like if team sports and team things, but like I mm-hmm. do, I do better and I'm more competitive in things that are just individually based. Like okay. I, I want it. I get it. Yeah. You know, me versus you type thing. Yeah. And right now and for my, the last while it's me versus me. Um, yeah. And so a lot of that. Uh, so yeah, I, I never, I, my parents don't drink. I grew up in a very religious household. Um, everything very blessed, very, very good, um, household. My parents have been, they just celebrated their, uh, 39th wedding anniversary last week when they were here, uh, visiting. Um, I start, I, I got my driver's license when obviously when I was 16 and I smoked weed and drank within the same week and for the first time. Wow. And like right away it like clicked with me where, and I'm always, I've been filled with anxiety. I have a lot of, uh, just issues like that where I'm very introvert. And so I was like, Oh, this is the release that I have been looking for. And, uh, gives you, gives you a break from it. yeah, Yeah. So from then on, I, I, I guess I was, I guess you could say I was just born an alcoholic. Like it wasn't from anything I did or saw in the military, um, or anything like that where you'll hear about with different people. Um, so yeah, I, I ended up getting into trouble with booze pretty quickly, uh, 
in high school, I got a DUI mm-hmm. and, uh, then from there just constantly having issues with it. And <clears throat> there's no reason to really dig into that stuff too much, but the breaking point to me was July 4th, 2012. Um, I had July 5th, I woke up in jail with my third DUI. And, oh, wow. 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, uh, I woke up and I had just gotten done with all of my lawyer stuff and just all my punishments from my second DUI, like three months before that. And when I woke up on July 5th in the jail library, because there's so many people that got arrested over 4th of July weekend, (laughs) uh, I sat up and I distinctly remember I was just like, dude, I I don't even want to be here. And uh and I didn't mean in the sense like I don't want to be in jail. Yeah. I mean in the sense of like I don't want to be alive. Yeah. Cuz I don't want to have to deal with this again. Um and I had had some friends and one friend in particular that uh had committed suicide that I was in the military with. And so that thought entered my mind and then immediately I was like no that can't happen I can't do that to my family and my friends um and so I was like well something needs to change then and I just decided that the only thing that I can do is to get sober because I've tried just like oh I won't drink and drive I won't whatever and uh none of that worked and so I just had to quit and I uh, tried quitting cold turkey, and I did did well. Uh, and then I met someone who had been working a different program, and he invited me to join that program, and I did that. And uh, through a lot of hard work and uh, dedication through that program and, and working that, I uh, was able to get over it fairly easy. Like after, after some time went by, like I've really haven't struggled with it. Um, and it's been, obviously it's something that I have to think about daily, Mm -hmm. hourly. Um, every morning I wake up and I, my feet hit the ground and I remind myself I'm Justin and I'm an alcoholic Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's just part of my daily ritual. Um, and I obviously being in this industry and being around what we see and what we do, like, it's a huge part. I think every job, everything is, you're going to run into it, but, um, I'm able to go to events. I'm able to do everything that I need to do. And I, I don't drink and it's, uh, I didn't drink yesterday and I'm not drinking right now. Yeah. And so that's that's where i'm at and uh that's that's how i look at it is a lot of yeah, people i've got goosebumps right now <laughs> just of, so you know seriously i mean like that that is um yeah i mean that that's uh that's real and you know it's um you, you say it's gotten I, I i imagine it wasn't i know with time everything right like you lose someone you know i mean i i go back I, I was a disaster when I lost my father. Um, it's interesting because 
that's a couple of days from now too, right? So I mean, it's it was 10, 11 years ago, but you um, time heals, right? But like in the beginning, it isn't it isn't easy. No, right? Like it's um, you're white knuckling it. You're that just like yeah. And I, I guess I guess you know for for those listening, you know on your front, like, yeah, sorry. I'm just, uh, wow. It just hit me. Um, the, um, you know, the, the beginning stages, like some, someone said to me, you know, at one point in regards to that type of change, like if, if you keep worrying about like when it's going to stop sucking, <laughs> Right, like you're just wasting time. Like, oh, totally. be be present and um, in the moment, and that is, you know, I, I know it gets easier. I guess is what I'm saying with time. But if you were to go back to that time, like, do you attribute your perseverance to, you know, going through, you know, making it through day? To, like, is that fam? You know, <clears throat> yeah. There. It, d- <sighs> It, it's just like kind of everything in life and the, the way that I look at it is like the reason why any of us are where we're at today is just based on life experiences and just things that have, whether it was, I was 14, 15 years old, puking bucking bales, or yeah. I was turning 21 in Iraq running missions. Yeah. Like not able to drink at all. And so it's, uh, it, it, there's, it, there's just all these things that lead up to why and where, where I ended up and, and how I was able to deal with them and stuff. Um, and a lot of good mentors for sure. Like guys that I was able to talk to and, and get their perspective on, on how they were able to, uh, get through it and, and get to the other side where, they, they didn't feel that urge and stuff. And, and one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got was, um, there one, you never have to, you never should, and you never have to explain yourself to anyone of why you don't drink. Like, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. I don't drink. Um, and I don't even tell people I don't drink most of the time. Um, they'll ask me if I want to drink and a mentor taught me, a good response is no, I'm good right now. Yeah. Cause I'm good. Right. Yeah. Yeah. At that moment. Exactly. I don't need a drink. Yeah. I don't like, I don't. And so if just every time you get offered a drink or every time you think you need a drink, you, Oh no, I don't need it right now. Yeah. And in that moment, right? Like where you, I mean, that is just such a, like I said, it was giving me goosebumps. Like you, you, you knew, you needed to make a change, right? But for a lot of people, that's not that easy. Um, and a lot of a lot of them don't go the direction that you did. Um, and when you look back on that now and everything you've done and where you are professionally and, and family-wise, like, I mean, that's a pretty... <laughs> I mean, had it not gone, right? Had you not woken up and said, I'm going to make a change? Yeah, de- definitely. This, the, uh, we wouldn't be sitting here today. I'd probably be in prison. I'd probably be dead. I'd be, or living under a bridge or whatever. Like, uh, that 
the amount of places that my life and story could have gone would is you never know like what would have happened but i I do attribute a ton of it to my upbringing in general like Mm -hmm. i grew up in a very blessed home like good foundation between what right and wrong with my what my parents taught me and everything um so that was that was definitely a huge part of it like they I knew morally, like when I was drinking heavily and doing whatever I was doing, um, that it, it wasn't the best and I, w- I shouldn't be doing it and stuff. And so it was easier for me, I believe, because of that strong foundation that I had as a, with good parents and a good upbringing that I was able to get back to it. Um, that's one thing I, cause there's obviously people that I drank with and, and spent time with that, uh, are still doing that same thing. Mm-hmm. And they're still in that lifestyle. And a lot of them, I, I think it's because they just didn't have that uh, foundation that I had. And, and then obviously discipline and just willpower and, and all those things c- combined in it. Yeah, but, and it's an interesting thing to think about because it's, you know, how, how without that, right? It, it, I mean, I, I personally, people are like, you know, you, and I was talking about this on the prior podcast, like, like negative, negative thoughts can be very sticky, right? They can, Mm -hmm. they can stay with you. And, but at the same time, like those experiences are so powerful when turned around that they can shape your path. You know, like, like you said, like you're, you're now competing with yourself. Mm -hmm. There's no one else. There's no, there's no other Justin, right? And you're just trying to be a better Justin day in and day out. But I guess, what's interesting to me is how, how could people like if you could shed some advice, like if someone doesn't have that, right. What would it be? Would it be if you think about, you know, making a change enough? Cause like we were talking the other day, like one of the things that I have paid serious attention to recently is like the more times I think about putting something off and not doing it, the more I know I need to do it. (laughs) Yeah. That, that, that's, you, you kind of went right where I was heading or what, what I would say is, uh, one thing I've learned over the years is I can't put any faith in my future self. Mm -hmm. Like I have to do like, it's now I need to do it. Like, Oh, don't, future Justin will remember where to, to put that away. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. No, future, like now Justin needs to do it. Like, yeah. the, I can't, it's you, it, you have to live in like, obviously you have to plan and, and try to make the right moves for the future, but you have to live in the now of like, what am I going to do right now? What am I going to, what am I going to do to better myself right now? Like you can't like, Oh, I'm going to stop drinking tomorrow. Stop drinking right now. Yeah. Like don't, there's no like, Oh, I'm going to wait until this magic date of January 1st or what, like that stuff doesn't, it, it doesn't work. Like it, it, you have to do it now. And, yeah. uh, yeah, that, and just, just take it day by day and an hour by hour, minute by minute. Like if you have to count the minutes, man, count the minutes. Like yeah. that's, there's no, in everyone's story, everyone's different. Like some people say, relapse is is part of recovery i don't buy that at all yeah um, yeah everyone's minds are yeah wildly different yeah so it's just 
Yeah, yeah, just taking taking the time and 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 investing in yourself and investing in your future and stuff and and you have to do it for yourself. You can't do it for your family, you can't do it for your job you can't whatever it may be like you have to do it for yourself because and that's how I have to look at like everything I'm doing now and in and in the future and stuff is is because if I don't take care of myself and I'm not sober for myself then I'm not I can't be a part of my family like I have Mm -hmm. a six-year-old daughter who's never seen me drink and that's and hopefully never will see me drink. And so that's amazing to me. Um, yeah. And that aspect of like, uh, I'm all, I'll always be able to be there for her. Uh, yeah. That's and, ha- incredible. and have that, uh, she'll have that security in her life where no matter what time of the day, uh, what, what day of the week, like she can call dad and dad will be there. Yeah. That is extremely powerful. Um, Especially, yeah, on multiple fronts. Dirt, so when, when we go back to that time when you did make the change, you know, obviously you've been at Adipose the entire time. So there was obviously some some pretty, you know, commendable things that happened. It must have been yeah. there. Yeah, and that's, I can never repay or say thank you enough to, Mike Ward and Tracy also. Um, but just a- allowing me to keep my job. Yeah. <laughs> I had gotten two DUIs while working there. Um, and every time Mike was forgiving and willing to, to do whatever with me, um, to help me out and stuff and not just giving up on me. Um, and that it would have been very easy to do where, he just didn't want to deal with it or whatever. And so I was able to keep my job and, 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 and keep doing what I was doing and, and keep growing within the company and stuff. And, uh, and so, yeah, every day just trying to repay him back with, with the gratitude and hard work of, uh, growing this company and getting it to where he would like it and we would like it. Yeah. And I know, you know, it's such a interesting, cause I know, I mean, obviously we, both are very close with Mike and know that, you know, he, he feels very lucky to have you as well. So it's, it's such a cool, I don't know. It's such a remarkable and, and maybe it all, it happens because you're in, you know, in a smaller business where everything's a little more intimate and you can, you know, be there yeah, and, and believe and, and do it. And you, and, that probably doesn't exist in, you know, a larger corporation, if you will. But, um, I mean, it's just, it's, it's pretty cool. I mean, especially cause I, I feel like a lot of times we don't take enough time. I don't speaking from experience to maybe go back and reflect, you know, take a little time just to go back and be like wh- where you came from. Um, yeah, this is the whole ride and this, uh, everything's just surreal. Like to yeah. see where we're to see where adipose is at today versus like and i tell them my employees all the time i i feel like the i'm fr- relatively young uh but it's it's being at the company since it's, it's the dawn of time it's the things that i've seen with 
the progression and how we used to do things to how we do things now. We always made quality boats. We always made great boats and everything, but it, it's just the way we went about them, like and how many extra steps we had involved with certain things because there was no processes when, when I showed up, when, when everything started. And so that was a big part of what, what I have contributed to the company was I, I tell people I'm just inherently lazy. And so I always try to find the quickest thing to do something. <laughs> and so be, because of that, like this is where me and Tracy had the biggest issues is Tracy would be like, you have to do it this way. And I'm like, well, if you did it this way, uh, you'd cut out this many steps in this much time and we'd get the same results with the quality would be the same. And everything. yeah, you, you might be able to replace the lazy part with efficiency. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was just, uh, the, and so that's where like I really helped and and design the processes of how you build a boat and how we get it down to as quick as we can do it now versus when we when I first started it would take us over a month to build one boat and now if we if you broke it down we could do it in 4 days wow and so yeah just everything and a lot of that was just making different molds, which Tracy taught me how to make molds and, and why certain molds and certain things need to be designed in certain ways and, and things like that. But yeah, that the, those are all a part of the journey. And I can't tell you how many times we left that shop at 3 a.m. and came back at 7 a.m. And, <clears throat> and we're just working on just wild jobs, odd jobs, whatever. And But we that's what was really cool about it is even with Mike being where he was at and having his family and having his, his life outside of that, uh, we all were in it together. Like me, Mike and Tracy and a couple of the other original employees, like we were in the trenches together. We, we built this thing out of hard work and determination. Yeah. There was not, there was no like easy button at any point. Like we didn't know, we never had, we never outsourced anything. Yeah. All the molds, all the design work, everything. Like we don't have when we still don't for a lot of our molds, a lot of our designs, we don't have CAD drawings of them. We just would, Tracy would stack up MDF and we would, we would cut it down and shape it by hand. And, that's the new seat box lid mold or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so it's really a, a story of just grit and determination to grow it into what it is today. And a lot of people that are really familiar with Adipose and where we are, they think we're huge. They think we're like some giant company with a bunch of employees and a huge facility. And then they come there and they walk around, they look at it and they go, this is it. <laughs> <laughs> like you guys, and we, we are a very efficient for what we are and where we are and how we do it. And, it's uh everything's done in house like yeah i almost think that's a byproduct of like the grit and trenches and hard work that you talk about because it's funny how often that happens in small businesses right where people like they know about it right i mean people all around the country and the world in a lot of like fishing oriented places right mm-hmm. they know about adipose um but you know then 
like you said, people get there and they're like, all right, cool. Let's go see the company. Where is it? You're like, we're here. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The couple things that I really like are when people are going to mail us something and they say, should I put attention to or like what department? (laughs) Oh, absolutely. (laughs) And and I I have to remind them as there's, there's one person that sees the mail and there's two people in the office. There's myself and our office manager, Marcy. So, um, yeah, and when it, we when it we, will find the end person pretty easily. <laughs> and when we get, uh, I'm not going to go into it right now, but um, I I don't remember it extremely well. Um, but then I, you know, you, you were a part of it, Mike, for sure. I think I had the conversation with when I was like, "You guys need to go buy this mold," and he was like, "What? Like, why would we do that?" And hope, and I'm still like, I'm not, you know, in, in regards to the South Fork skiff, like I'm still, I, I'm, I'm confident, uh, very confident, obviously. Um, now, uh, you know, you're rowing one right now, I see. Yeah, that's, uh, that's my go-to. And, and it's, it's my go-to boat for the style of fishing I do. Like, yeah. It, it, obviously, every boat has its own little niche in some ways. And um, for most of the time when I fish, it's me, my girlfriend, and my daughter, or me and a buddy. And yeah. so, for a two-person, and I like to dry fly fish. I like to yeah sit down and fish for a two-person craft. Like there is no better boat in yeah. the world f- besides a South Fork skiff. Um, I just it, think it's cool how these are all. It's all intertwined yeah. because one thing that. Um, I think Gene Brune said to me the other day was like, it was, you know, when we were talking about exploring the historical aspect, which, you know, came up last night at the event and et cetera, is that it was a boat before its time, you know what I mean? In in the eighties. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, here, you know, here comes you and Tracy and Mike, you know, with another boat that is almost, revolutionary in the way that it floats and and yes there's i mean like you said always a better way um i i think it's really cool how they intertwined uh, there's no doubt i'm going to explore that i want to explore that going deeper and we'll get into that at a different time um but on on the note of that with when though when they do intertwine which they are um talking about making a better way like you guys have recently for the flow and the south fork and what's the um the bigger model again the runoff the runoff um i should know that (laughs) (laughs) um you've started to i mean brand new technology right i mean it's right uh, just started yeah we're uh just started in our world um I mean, at at Adipose. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. for most drift boats, period. Yeah. And just so we're on the same page, you're talking about infusion, right? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Maybe you could explain that. Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're in the processes of it um, right now. It, we're, it's pretty infant stages, but long story short, you can the way that fiberglass works and composites composites is, is fiberglass, carbon fiber, Kevlar, 
whatever you think of anything yeah. that's made out of uh, some sort of resin or epoxy. Yeah, and, explain and it to me, like you the, know that the <laughs> I know nothing. everything in our world comes from essentially spaceships <laughs> yeah. and down like so it, it starts in like fighter jets and and all that and just travels down through the ranks from from racing yachts to 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 fighting planes like just the red bull planes to to whatever it, and and then you have like mega yachts that will have it to yada 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 and then down the line there's and what what's the t- technical name for it like Vac- there's yeah so vacuum bagging or, or resin infusion is really okay. where it's at right now um yeah so so the it process- essentially goes drift boats and then electrical boxes and bathtubs are where we're at for like the bottom <laughs> of the barrel of where it starts techno- at spaceships <laughs> and ends at bathtubs yeah, because things are very expensive and then they get as they go down through the ranks they find more efficient ways to do them they find cheaper ways to do them they find better ways to do them um, because we don't have unlimited money like nasa or air force or whatever um and so yeah so that's where this technology is called resin infusion which right now most every drift boat company is is making boats what's called open molded where there's just a raw mold they spray the fiberglass in and they roll the fiberglass out by hand um so it's very labor intensive it's dirty it's smelly it's it's uh there's you have to deal with time because everything's kicking off and and there's chemical reactions going on so you you have to you have to constantly be moving and working very quickly um this new technology and it's not really new because it's been around for decades um but it's it's newer to our world because it's become again become more efficient and more cost effective uh you lay all your fabrics in there dry so you have your mold same thing you 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 paint your mold like you would always do that and then you lay all your fabrics in there dry and then in simplest terms you just take a big plastic bag and you stick it over top of your mold and then you hook a vacuum up to it and it sucks all the air out of it and so as it sucks all the air out of it at once you have all the air out of it it's it's literally like a sealed off vacuum chamber um and so depending on what elevation you're at you can get x pounds of mercury like pushing down like the (laughs) atmospheric pressure is how much pressure is pushing down on top of your bag and then since there's nothing in there because it's just condensed down raw fabric on we'll just say on the opposite side that you have your vacuum line that sucks the air out you have an inlet line that you then open up and put into a bucket of resin and then it sucks the resin into the fabrics and so it does all your fabric layers in one continuous layup and just sucks it in and spreads it out almost like you just poured a glass of water on top of a paper towel or whatever and you just watch it kind of bleed towards the edges um, oh wow yeah uh it's a good th- analogy yeah that's th- and that's like a very oversimplification of it no um, but i think you know if we went into it we would, yeah, yeah, we, we would lose people right, right yeah so that but the end result is you get a lot better uh fiberglass strand strength you get a lot better resin to glass ratio you don't have any wasted wasted resin um lighter 
Yeah, in the end, the goal is to be lighter. Um, mm-hmm. Contrary to can popular, you adjust that though? Yeah, you can with with your with your fabric thicknesses. Um, okay. So everything's based off of what what fabrics you use because with this layup process, it it cuts out the possibility to have a resin rich product because resin has no strength to it. Um, resin's just a binding agent and a hardening agent hardener for your fabrics. Um, all drift boat companies out there right now, we're, we're all essentially making boats the same way, mm-hmm. uh, just with a little bit different fabrics. And that's one thing that Adipose has done from the beginning that set us apart is we've all, always used different fabrics than everyone else. And it builds a stronger hole. It builds a more durable hole, um, uh, and, and just overall better finished product. And so this going into this process opens up and us up into a whole realm of other products that we can and, and fabrics we can use um but yeah you can just adjust that yeah based. so there's a ton of levers you can pull like you could yeah. pop one out and be like oh boy that's right you know x and then and so that's why when i say we're in the infancy stages of it is we're trying to figure that out because yes obviously we'd like to make them lighter um well con- you might not want to make them all yeah lighter, that, right? that I mean, and that's, that's the thing contrary to popular belief like everyone wants to have their drift boat as light as a canoe but it, as soon as that happens, yeah, then they, it can float too high. Float and, like, and wind, yeah. yeah, you're like a leaf in the wind. And it's just, <laughs> it just turns into a nightmare. And so that's like, everyone's like, oh, can you make one out of carbon fiber? And it's like, yeah, but carbon fiber is not designed to do what we do. Like drift boats are designed to hit rocks yeah. every day. Yeah, carbon fiber is great, but if you've ever seen any. F1 smash your fly rod. Yeah, like yeah, <laughs> so, exactly. If I smash nick a rock with your fly rod and and then all of a sudden or hit it with a streamer and the thing snaps in half and you're yeah. like, "Well, that sucks." Yeah, that's why you don't want to really you don't want a carbon fiber drift boat. Um so, yeah, those are all things that we're working on now and and kind of taking us into the 21st century. We're pretty excited about it. Where the there there's couple other countries companies i should say that uh have dabbled in it um but we're looking to switch to all of our boats being made that way um it's a huge undertaking it's a huge investment but again like adipose being what we are and always trying to raise the bar and and be the best in the business this is this is where i feel it's it's heading and yeah and one of my goals is in as the it's uh, a it's exciting uh, yeah definitely i mean it's it's a lot but it's very exciting, and I'm really excited to see where it goes. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how we can dial it in. Like you said, there's there's so many different levers to 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 pull to try to get it to where we want it to where you you have the perfect ratio of weight to strength and and everything involved with that. And uh, it's it's going to be. And then for me, just cleaning up the process for my employees is going to be huge. Like it it's pretty again, it's pretty dirty. It's pretty uh, pretty tough job right now and the aspect of when it's 90 degrees out and you're laying fiberglass that's exothermic at 180 degrees then it's it's gonna make it (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're basically talking about a disaster zone going into a plastic bag right i mean like it'll all be concealed yeah exactly the only thing you're gonna be able to smell really is just what's kicking off in your bucket which is nothing um and so it's gonna and yeah and, and once and then the byproduct and all that is the the customer gets a, a better product and um, which is great. Like that's what obviously we want to go for and stuff, but we're in the end, we're, we're 
I wouldn't say we're specifically doing it for the customer. We're doing it because we want the best boat and yeah. the customer is going to get that. Like, well, that authenticity is what makes, you yeah. know what I mean? That's the- yeah, we don't do things because it's easy. We don't do the way, the way we build boats, the way that we go about everything. It's not because it's the easiest way to do it. Like we've never looked at it that way. Yeah. And Mike and Tracy pounded it from the beginning where they both were, were, I will always take quality over quantity. Yeah. I could, we could change our processes to crank out as many boats as our competitors do, but I don't, that, that doesn't interest me. I don't. Yeah. Well, that's, that's admirable. Like most of this, um, episode, to be honest with you. Um, well, listen, I, I've taken a ton of your time. I've got a couple questions for you. Um, and we also need to go fishing. So, yes. um, are you currently reading any good books? I'm always asking. Honestly, no, I don't read that much. I listen to a lot of podcasts. That's kind of my thing is I, I whenever I have a chance and, and I'm not in somewhere where I'm going to be distracted, and mm-hmm. I, but I can keep moving as I, yeah, I put in the AirPods well, and listen to. Perfect. Is there something, something I should be uh, checking out, listening to to help me try to get this ship off the ground here? Uh, or any good any good ones you've just run into the yeah i i honestly i listen to your your podcast well thank you thanks for listening i really enjoy it i i I like this aspect i like this format on how because again i'm inquisitive i want to know how people got to where they they've gotten in their life and why like there's there's no perfect formula and so it's 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 very interesting to hear everyone's different story and uh listening to the episode yesterday with the the founder of, of steel sully yeah yeah, sully it's very interesting and how he's taken this different path and all these different approaches and stuff and Steel's a very well-known brand now in the outdoor world and stuff so yeah I, anything like that I, I i like that um and then i just love to fill my brain with useless knowledge and so mm-hmm. i listen a lot to like the meat eater podcast and yeah it's not as much as people just think it's like all about hunting or trophy hunting or whatever. They have a ton of random guests on there, just scientists and talking about issues and stuff of wildlife. And huh. so that's a really interesting one that I listen to a lot. And then I've listened to a couple, but I need to check into some more. It sounds like, yeah, I've listened to pretty much all of them. Have you really? Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> it's uh, and then, uh, obviously like in the fishing world, I feel like you have to listen to Millhouse. Yeah. If you're interested in saltwater. So yeah, that's, that's a good one. Um, what's amazing is that you and I have just talked for, I don't know how long, but we, we haven't talked about fishing, fishing at all. Everyone's like, well, what's the, what, what do you talk, what kind of fishing do you talk about? And I'm like, we actually, we yeah. don't go. Which is, that's I, I honestly like, I don't, I, I listen to Millhouse because of just the history of it. And oh, stuff. the historical but, stuff. Yeah. It's that, that, yeah. It's very fascinating. Whatever. Yeah. Like I don't, I don't really consume very much fishing content of any sort. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, except well because you're doing it yeah exactly (laughs) i do consume a a lot of bass fishing content from like elite anglers on Mm -hmm. the bass master series that's because i just yeah that's something that i'm i like to be a very well-rounded angler so i spend a lot of time fishing for everything yeah Yeah. anything everything every technique possible like gear rods and and bait casters and all that and things that um because i think that that stuff will just set you up better for 
fly fishing too. And you're just looking at something different in a different way that you've never thought of. And, and so I don't listen to very many people talk about fly fishing because it just doesn't. I'll never forget the first time I saw a permit eat a live crab. (laughs) I was like, God damn it. Why didn't I do that sooner? (laughs) Got to see like gills, everything. But the, yeah. Then, then from there, um, there's one I listen to, The Art of Man. That's good. But yeah, just just random. Some people send me podcasts and stuff. And then I, and then if I do, I've read a couple books. Uh, Ward gave me a book that I'm reading uh, right now. And then uh, off and on. The last book that I just finished was actually just a uh, non-fiction historical piece uh, mm-hmm. called The Labyrinth of Ice. Um, hmm. Very interesting book about it was before we've any expedition actually made it to the North pole. And so this is a story about an expedition that was going to the North pole and the harrowing situation that they got themselves into and, um, really makes you think about like when you're complaining about something, <laughs> those <laughs> but, are always good, to, yeah, good reminders. Yeah, it's, uh, really makes you do a gut check of like, man, I'm kind of a pansy. Yeah. <laughs> I I, I always need those. Um, All right. And then the last one, this is one I've been asking everyone. I did give you a heads up. I'm giving everyone a heads up now. Who is, um, who is one of the most interesting person you've ever, ever met and why? Yeah, I've been thinking about it. Just again, listening to your podcast and listening from the very first episode when you're asking these people this, that I've been thinking about for a while and it's it's a tough one. I it's understand. Tough, I understand yeah. why people really struggle. And that's with. why I changed to give people a heads up because yeah. they're like, "Why? What are you? You're just you're throwing just, that on me." Yeah. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna say I'm gonna give four people. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Mike and Tracy for sure. Tracy's mind and how he works with boat design is in just overall designing things is is amazing. Like mm-hmm. his the way his brain works and, and the way he thinks about things is, it, it, it is inspiring to me. Like mm-hmm. I, I definitely have a lot of admiration for the guy again. Like, even though we have, I've never yelled at someone so much in my life. <laughs> um, and then Mike just in general, um, his, his way, his brain works too with design and he's the fishiest guy I've ever met in my life. Mm-hmm. Like the way he can go into a place and look at things and, and stuff. And so he's been hugely inspirational in, in that side of my life, like taught me so much with fishing uh, again, all tactics, whether it's fly gear, salt, whatever. Um, and just how he, how he dissects things and thinks about things and explains them. I've never heard of anyone else do it like he does. Mm-hmm. And so that's been huge in my life. Um, another person then this would be one that like i don't know he he might would might come on this podcast but just to hear his story there's a guy that i've befriended as a customer of adipose his name is brad jackson Mm -hmm. i grew up in socal um was a fire chief in lake tahoe he's got a wild story like he was one of the first skateboard pro skateboarders ever oh, per, wow. uh, f- first pro skimboarders um like helped invent skimboarding and wow. all those things um and just f- 
amazing done everything like right now he just goes from different thing to different thing and right now he's really into gliding like where you get towed up and then they release you from a plane and then you just glide like that's his deal right now and so he does that and he's very yeah his ran iron iron man's uh just everything is very interesting about him and then where is he now he's still lives in lake tahoe okay um he's been yeah just been a good friend of mine. We saltwater fish together. We, we, he's come up, stayed with me a couple times, but yeah, he's very interesting. Um, just to hear like the spawn of those things when, yeah. when those were going on and gliding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then I've never been, have you been in a glider? No, yeah, no neither have I. never. Yeah. It's really, it's, I've, again, being super inquisitive, I've asked him so many questions about it yeah. and stuff. And it's, that yeah that's there's five podcasts just in (laughs) (laughs) listening to him talk about that and the different thermals and how to find thermals and yada 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 um and how that all works but uh and then the one would be i didn't get to know him very much but i would i wish i would have been able to would been my mom's dad my grandpa on my mom's side uh he went to yale and he helped design the B two bomber. No way! Like the stealth bomber, the one that like looks like a triangle. Yeah. Um, and so, definitely a genius in that aspect. And uh, most a big chunk of my my mom's childhood, she, no one in their family knew what he did for work. Like he, while he was doing yeah, it because wow. it was so top secret that he just he had an office at the house and then he had an office obviously that he would go to and so he would go to work come home would work in his office some but they like no one really knew what his job was <laughs> um and so i would have loved to just he passed when i was 12 um so i i knew him i knew of him but obviously pretty young at that age didn't didn't really have any good questions for him <laughs> but wow, uh, that's... that would have been one to really get to know um I, I wish i would have been able to uh, know him more and stuff but very interesting story and yeah and that's um i guess just hearing that is like you know excites me again about this platform i mean it's wildly fulfilling but again that's the re i mean it's part of like the driving thing is like we talked about this on the last episode i mean it's it's media in perpetuity, stories in perpetuity where like if you had that podcast of him, right, right, like you would be so excited and probably would listen to it multiple times. Yeah, so. and, I, and and I like every time, especially with an interesting podcast, and I hope people think that this is interesting. Whenever it ends, I'm like, dude, it could have been twice as long and I still would have been in. Oh, yeah. Like I, and no, so, and we'll, we, will, <laughs> we will be doing it again. Yeah, so, and so like that's... Yeah, I, just to hear my uh, from my grandpa on that aspect and and get to know him in there, that would have been huge for sure. And then, the, obviously, like with Mike and Tracy, those people have just been huge mentors in my life. And yeah. so, that's those are people that I respect and have a, a lot of uh, admiration for, and um, can never thank enough and and stuff. And so, obviously, Tracy with boat design and stuff, because that's obviously a, a still major part of my my job and what I do mm-hmm. is thinking about future of boats, thinking about future designs and what we need to do. Cause we, me and me and Ward right now have some pretty big plans of where we'd like to take this thing. And, yeah. uh, and so all that's going to become major into fact. And then my escape outside of, uh, 
work is is fishing and being in boats and and stuff and so obviously ward's mentorship and and the fishing aspect of it and teaching me because i was again i I, not rowing a boat ever when i started at adipose like i was on a i feel like i'm on a i was on a pretty steep learning curve and was able to pick up things very quickly and that was only because he was willing to take the time to teach me what i um wanted to know yeah and i kept asking questions well it's it's awesome and like i said we will be doing it again we'll be doing it hopefully with you know those guys as well and i don't know the whole thing is you know thank you for your time thanks for sharing um i do you know very meaningful and um i appreciate it to find out um more about Justin and Adipose, head on over to adiposeboatworks.com and on Instagram, Adipose Boatwork, at Adipose Boatworks. Anywhere else people can get in touch with you? Yeah, those are the two best. You cool. Call the shop. That's all listed on the, on on the, the website and stuff. And awesome. I don't really have a social media anymore, but I still obviously I lucky run, you I, I run all the <laughs> i run all the adipose stuff so yeah. that's not i haven't completely detached myself no from it's it, a but. it's a necessary thing yeah um well thanks again man i really appreciate it yeah thanks for having me that's been great hope you enjoyed this episode of permit to think my hope is this podcast offers meaningful conversations and stories from the fringe of societal norms be sure to subscribe and support the podcast by leaving a review Five stars, iTunes, Spotify, whatever you're using. For more information, head on over to the website at permittothink.com and also forward this to anyone who might dig it. I am out. Thanks, dude.